All right. Welcome, everybody. And thank you for listening and subscribing to Behind the Screen. I am your host, JT Kane, and I'm here with my very good friend, Matt Corey. And we are here to talk about auditions, um, specifically orchestral auditions, which take place behind the screen. I should stop drinking before I do these. Oh, my God. That's a false tea. I know. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) No one drinks before they do a podcast. I'm sorry. But I am very excited. I had to kind of calm my nerves a little bit because of our guest. Mm -hmm. We'll get to him in a second. This is our time. That's right. I think we need this for ourselves to really just kind of shine. Yeah, so pipe down over there, Matt H. God, you're ruining it. (laughs) It's such a good intro. (laughs) Yeah, we've got so much to say. We do get to say happy birthday to you. That's right. Oh, well, thank you. Happy birthday. How are you now? 51, 52? (laughs) I haven't hit the 50s yet. No, I know. We're the same. Are we? Yeah, I'm 48. Yeah, no, we, you're a little older, but we're the same. I'm yeah. 47. Any good presents or? Lisa got me a guitar. No Surprised way. me with a guitar. Yep. Oh, that's awesome. It was very, very cool. So for Christmas, I got a ukulele. Uh-huh. So I've been playing ukulele for, for a couple months now. And I actually was doing fairly well. I got, you know, got a bunch of tunes under my belt. Easy, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. And I've always wanted a guitar. So she, she went and surprised me with a guitar she... She told me to drive, and and we went to a guitar store, and and um, and you picked one out. Going to get whatever. Oh yeah, man, that's so fun. Picked one out. It was very cool. She's she definitely under a budget, but it was. Mm-hmm. I who, who needs a really expensive guitar? And uh, yeah, and I suck really bad at it. Guitar is hard. That's one of the instruments. So like I thought, I wanted to learn, and it, like one summer, back in the apartment that that you had been to, um, in yeah. my old place. Oh right, yeah, yeah. I, I thought I wanted to learn guitar and like I was cool to a point, but I think it's like, I think it's an F chord where you kind of have to bar. Uh, no, see, that's the problem. I with, can't play with an it. F. And if you can't play an F, like they say, all you need to learn are three chords. But unfortunately, one of them is that, that friggin' F. Man, I mean, I got A, I got D and I got E. Yeah. Those are the easy ones, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 And I can do them one at a time. And then I tried to do like, uh, you know, whatever tune it was where I had to do multiple chords and um, it's not working. Yeah. You, well. you, it's just like with viola, you know, you have to practice the connections between the, the chords, like the changes. Oh, oh, was that with viola? I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> just the movement, the one, the movement. Don't, don't uh, yeah. let go back to the beginning every time. I'm actually a little concerned that when I do go back and play viola, um, it's going to, I'm going to be like, wait, gee, oh, wait, no, wait, my fingers need to go. And it, it's, yeah. I've always had guitar players ask me, like, how do you play the viola without frets? Like, how do you do violin, viola, cello, whatever? How do you play that without a fret? And I always ask them, how do you play guitar with frets? It's so hard. Mm. Those metal things hurt. They hurt. It's not easy. It's, I don't know. It's, it, anyway, it's been fun kind of, kind of figuring it out. But I picked up my ukulele today, and, and it was a, a, a breath of fresh air to go back to it. Yeah. Four strings versus six. A little less pain, I'm, too. I, it really is. Nylon strings versus the metal strings. That, those hurt. Matt's laughing over there. He's like, oh. No, we got to bring Matt in and... <laughs> Uh, quickly because I feel like he can contribute to all of this. So let me I just read so the message too. real quick. Talk about pain. Um, this pod- <laughs> <laughs> You could funny. go any direction with that. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast is brought to you by Insight for the Blind, a very special recording studio based in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, where over 100 volunteers produce talking books and magazines for the blind and physically handicapped so that all may read. See for yourself at insightfortheblind.org. I would highly recommend that you do see So For Yourself uh, and go and check out uh, insightfortheblind.org and see all the good stuff that they do. And if you're so inclined, you should you should donate to them, right? You guys have, you you can be a sponsor for Insight For The Blind, can Absolutely, yeah. There's links yeah. on the website, the donate I highly page. recommend it. Or you can just send Matt an email at screenisup. Well, I think we did get an email at Screen Is Up that was saying that we were owed uh, like fourteen point eight million dollars. I think. Yeah, uh, I, I checked into that, and it was it's totally legit. Yeah. Now Matt, Corey, and I talk uh, at the beginning of these of these podcasts, which everyone I know loves so much. <laughs> but we'd have a very special guest. We saved the best for last 
because this is our the the last guest of the season, and I want to welcome to behind the screen the principal percussionist of the Los Angeles Philharmonic, Matt Howard. Matt, welcome to Behind the Screen. Welcome, fellow Matt. Yo, thanks for having me. Man, you know, you, you were so good at being uh, quiet and, and not uh, not laughing at our, our hilarious intro. All these but, strings, you're talking about strings and all this stuff. It's like, dude, just pick up some drumsticks. Come on. Seriously? Join, join the dark side. We, You know, I feel like sometimes I should... In middle school, I actually tried percussion. I tried a whole bunch of different instruments in middle school, and I was a violinist, and my my violin teacher got really mad at me. She's like, how dare you try another instrument? So I was banned from ever playing other than the violin and viola, another instrument, so... Wow, that's weird because like all percussionists is trying all the instruments. <laughs> so. Well, you see, th- yeah, you guys actually you sh- you have what you guys play with bows. Yeah, and- I know we're like the ADD instrument. We just we, we need to <laughs> we need to hit everything, do everything. <laughs> I'm gonna steal that. I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to New World and I'm gonna tell our percussion fellows that you guys are just ADD of the of the musicians. They yeah. would all agree. It's fine. <laughs> uh, they probably would, and and they would probably equate it to you and and say, oh, who did Matt? Howard say that? And would say, yeah. yes, he did. Oh, yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, in fact, he did. <laughs> you were at New World. We know each other. Back, you were a fellow at New World Symphony back in 20, 2015, 2016 season, right? Correct. And and then you immediately uh, had the, the great fortune of winning your uh, hometown orchestra audition of the Los Angeles Philharmonic. That was in 2016, right? That, no, it was... No, yeah, it was 2016. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That was crazy. I know more about you than you do. If you, can... <laughs> I know. You're it's like, you know, I've been asked Wait. that question. You know, people ask like, "How long have you been in the orchestra?" And I just sit there and think like, it has to have been like a couple years. And like, it takes just me a send bit. them my way. I'll let <laughs> yeah, it. I'll fill them it. Yeah. Here's J, there's JT over there. So I want to talk to you about like that experience you had. I mean, first of all, I think it's it's amazing. We've had a few guests on the show that have in fact gone back to their hometown orchestras, and I just think it's such a great. You spent your your childhood kind of watching this orchestra, and and you took lessons from those musicians there, and then you get to come back there and actually be a part of it. When you won, you were what 25, 26 yeah, years old, twenty five, twenty five years old. Yeah, it, that's amazing to me. First of all, <laughs> when I was twenty five, uh, I had a five year old daughter, and I was barely scraping by. So, congrats on 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 that. I mean, it's <laughs> it's amazing that you know for me for me, I just I never had that that kind of concept at that time about really focusing. It wasn't until later for me that I I really tried to win a job. When you first heard about, let's say about your, you know, Los Angeles Philharmonic, you know, because the, the principal, uh, principal percussionist was Raynor Carroll, Raynor Carroll, of course. Mm -hmm. And I know that name because I know I have the Raynor Carroll books, uh, which, which every orchestra manager, if they don't have, should have it because (laughs) they're the one true, there's basically the, the, the Bible of how many percussionists you need for any given piece. It's so perfect. uh, Because it's amazing. So shout out to Rainer. <laughs> yes, um, but uh, but I mean, he he's kind of a legend in his own right. So you go in there and and he, he's retired now and, and you go in and take this audition. What was it like for you to go back to that first moment? Like you're in just prelims, you know, what did you feel? What was that feeling like? Well, it's funny though, because like every other orchestra audition I've taken, of course, has been in a separate or another city. And it's like, you know, you're always in like a hotel room and don't know where anything is. And, but it felt like super comfortable. It's like, I'm sleeping in my own bed. I have my own car with me. You know, I know. (laughs) Because you stayed with, you stayed with your folks then, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was super nice. Or my dogs were here and it's like, no under, no other city you're going to get this experience, you know? But no, it was great. I knew the hall. I've played with the orchestra before and yeah. it just felt super, super comfortable. So in a way, I kind of had a little bit of an advantage with that, sure. but um, no, it was great. And I mean, uh, had you, how many times had you subbed with, with LA Phil before? Probably two or three times by that okay. point. Yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, given, given our name behind the screen for Los Angeles Philharmonic, do they do their auditions behind the screen? They do. So it's normally they they have a, a maybe a little bit of a different system where they do two or three days of prelims and mm. and then like a separate the next day is like semis and the next day is like finals and super finals. So it's like over a course of a week. 
Yeah, I can imagine that there's a lot of people that 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 show up. So they're they're doing the prelims yeah. over over multiple days. Do they do resume rounds, or do you know, or is, is everyone invited? No, they do resume rounds, and yeah. and actually, funny enough, I wasn't invited the first time. Uh, oh, they- see, this is great. Okay, because honestly, we've had. Um, I mean. Um, Matt, you can you can say how many remind me how many guests we've had on the show that have not been invited to the first round. It's so amazing. I mean, we just talked to Carol Carol Yanch, who said that she wasn't invited. She didn't get past the resume. Yeah, round, so. and the other one that stands out was uh, Natsuki. Yes, of right. course, Natsuki mm-hmm. in, in yeah in, in Minnesota. Yeah, that's right. You submit your resume and you get an email back from the personnel manager, and they're like, "Yeah, sorry, kid." I know. I got a little sad face going, and then. <laughs> You know, slightly Michael Jordan tears going. Um, but yeah, then I, I mean, luckily I knew I studied with um, Jim Baber and Joe Pereira in the, in the orchestra. And I, I reached out to him and I was like, you know, if there's anything you guys can do, because they said, you know, we're going to allow New World uh, percussionists to come in and take this. So I was like, I don't know what's happening. Like I didn't get through because they had a really weird system where um, the percussionists did not do the resumes. They had to make it... Um, completely um unbiased so they had like you know some horn players or whatever going through the resumes that didn't know the people's names so um they just went purely by the resume and i guess i didn't have it up on the very top that i was in the new world symphony and so they were just like ah nope so interesting and so they they went back and they were like no we would like this person to be in there so they they vouched me and i got i got to go so i got i actually funny enough got the request to do this kind of last minute yeah. So, did you have to kind of cram for that? I kind of did. What did what was what did the list look like? Like how many how many excerpts? You're the last guest of season two. Our very very first guest was Charlie Rosemarin, who is a current New World Symphony Fellow, and he talked a lot about his Philadelphia Orchestra audition. And I think he said there was like a hundred twenty something audition, you know, excerpts on there. How, what was it like for LA? Well, that list in particular was just monstrous yeah. so that yeah. I, it wasn't that big but i mean it was still pretty large it's probably up where in the 50s or 60s so That's, i mean because there's no that, timpani there's no drum set or anything like that so it was just pure percussion pure so, percussion yeah do you guys travel with instruments i mean you have your mallets obviously like i think that's i mean everybody thinks of that but it, what what are there actual instruments that you travel with that you that they wouldn't provide for you absolutely i mean people are really particular about that and i always traveled with two snare drums two or three tambourines you know a whole set of triangles all of my sticks even go as far as like you know maybe cymbals if i want wow. but I mean, literally as much as you can, because this stuff is very personal. And if you can, it's only going to help you out. So you recommend as much as you can travel with that, you know, because yeah, because you honestly, yeah, like, like if you're a pianist, you can't, you don't have that luxury. You, yeah. You're stuck with, right, with a piano. But <laughs> if you can, that's an additional cost. Because I always think about, I mean, we, we talk with all of our guests about traveling cellists, bassists, you know, these large instrument kind of, they're, they have to pay two seats, you know? And so you yeah. guys also have an additional cost of, of traveling with a lot of extra gear and, and whatnot. I always travel with like two huge suitcases. One was like a massive hard case, one that I would put all of my stuff in. So like, yeah. you know, everything I could possibly fit in there. And it's like, everyone has their own system. Everyone has like a, an unfoldable dolly with bungee cords. <laughs> You'll see all these crazy things that people come up with. And are you able to fit any clothes in there when you go and travel? Yeah, or you, you put them in like outfit? the snare drum case, you know? Right, nice. <laughs> <laughs> just a change of underwear. You can wear the same <laughs> yeah. thing all yeah, every day, all right? You're, you're there for, yeah. For what, four days, maybe? Yeah, something yeah. like that. <laughs> How many auditions had you taken previously before LA Phil? I'd say six or seven. Yeah. Professional auditions. Did you kind of come up with some sort of a routine? Dude, I could talk about this for hours, but dude, I I had a cra- I had a crazy routine. I mean, I would visualize all the stuff all the time and that stuff was always super helpful to me. But I mean, yeah. I was like very much of like a I had to think about everything or so yeah. I didn't freak out. So Cities that I didn't even know that well, I would look up, you know, where's a place that I can go eat around yes. there? Like, how yeah. how am I going to get my instruments from the hotel room to the hall without destroying my forms? Like, carrying a heavy-ass snare drum yeah. all the way from the hotel room there, and then your forms is shot. Then you have to play all this super delicate stuff. Nobody's ever said that before, but that's great advice. I never thought about that before. Like, you, yeah, you got to carry all this 
you know, they, you, your, your instruments are heavy. They're they not, are, they're man. not light, right? No. <laughs> so that, yeah, that's, that's really great. So what did you do? Like you, you arrived to a city. Do you, did you, did you kind of plan for your like hotel to be close by or you knew kind of like you, you picked up an Uber or something like that? Yeah. I mean, they didn't necessarily have to be close by, but I just had to know like, you know, Uber, how far away I was, you know, um, at least for me, I knew I was going to be super nervous. So like, I was going to go and eat like a full breakfast with like steak and eggs or something, <laughs> something super hearty. So right. I knew I just needed like a, a yogurt or something, just find somewhere around there to eat. And, um, you know, if they were running a little bit behind, just, I knew where a good coffee shop was or something. And, yeah. and, you know, the entire time, you know, you know, even when I was at new world and stuff, I was like looking up pictures of like the hall of like what it looked huh. like and trying to visualize like how am I going to carry my stuff out on stage and without just dropping all of my sticks all over the, the stage and, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, you know? percussion auditions are, they, they take a lot of time. They're a lot longer than say a viola audition or bassoon or, or whatever, you know, it, because you have so many instruments that you have to, you, you, you've got to set up, you've got to get ready. So how long typically are you on stage for, let's say the, for, for a prelim round? A prelim round after setting up and everything, probably 15 minutes. I would say. Yeah, which is about maybe, you know, five to 10 minutes longer than normal. I thought it was really interesting because I got to sit on one audition so far with the Phil and okay. it was the harp audition. And um, it was just crazy how fast people were going through, you know, just like yeah. it was super, super rapid compared to when I th what I think about auditioning for percussionists. It was like maybe three or four per hour or something like that. Maybe, <sighs> maybe five. Yeah. But it's like, you know, even some violinists, they're going through like 20 people in like an hour or something ridiculous. They're just zooming through depending on how good or bad people play. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this is crazy. Let's talk a little bit about that because when you're sitting on that other side of the screen, what's that like? It's got to be a completely different feeling and, and atmosphere you know, from, from what you're, what you've been used to so far. Right. I mean, it's, it was pretty eye opening to be honest. Yeah. Cause think about it, you know, we're on the stage side of the screen where you're normally playing and you know, you're hearing people like furiously writing before you're playing or in between while you're playing. And when you're playing, you're thinking like, Oh geez, like I did something real wrong or, right. you know, they obviously hate me, but then like being on the other side, it's like, they could be drawing like a dinosaur or something, <laughs> you know? Like they've been yeah. doing this for hours and hours yeah. and they've done this so many times that it didn't actually matter. And like all the little nuanced things that I would get really worked up about, you know, that every instrumentalist has their own little nuanced things that people sure. like really hear. But in the end, it really doesn't matter. It's like everyone listens for super basic things. That's all they really care about. When you're playing an audition, when you're up there, you're super hyper observant about everything that's going on and a little squeak or a little something. And you're like, you know, Oh, that's it. You know, I'm done for, I, you know, I can't, but it's never really that. I'm just, I'm wondering about a percussion audition because you have a violin audition, you have the Brahms concerto, or you have like these excerpts that are lyrical and things like that. But if for a percussion audition, it's, it's, I gotta say, I don't know what I'm listening for a lot of the times because it's so specific, right? So what is it about a percussion? What do you say that you have to do in order to really stand out in an audition? I mean, it just comes down to very basic things like, you know, how good can you groove, man? I mean, we're the, we're yeah. the drummers, you know, we're not always keeping time back there, but it's like, we play these crazy intricate snare drum solos that have like an insane amount of notes on it and crazy rhythms and crazy rests. And a majority of the time, people listening, other instrumentalists, aren't taking this music home and like trying to figure out how to play every one of these rhythms and really yeah. looking for it. They really don't care. They're just looking for like, can you somewhat spoon feed this to me? Do you feel comfortable? Or do you sound confident? Do your instruments sound good? Do you just sound comfortable playing in a bigger space? Yeah. And a majority of the time, it's just very, very, very basic. And it's like little things like Lieutenant KJ for snare drum is a huge snare drum excerpt for us. Okay. And it's very soft and they're, you know, four stroke rough. So like three grace notes leading into a main note. And a majority of the time, percussionists are like, oh, those notes need to be so perfect. They need to be clear. And then you go out into the hall and it's like, no one's ever going to hear those notes. Right. You could sit there and you can buzz them or whatever. It doesn't matter. People are like, yeah, those four stroke roughs are good, but you can't play quarter notes. <laughs> you know, yeah, very, yeah. very basic things. You break it down to the basics. Absolutely. I mean, that's the only thing people can relate to. So, I mean, 
and of course you know the solos like bach like that, I sure. mean, oh, yeah. all everyone. But that, like, I'm, I'm, that's on marimba, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's what I was gonna ask about. Like, at what point does the mallet stuff happen? Do you do like the snare stuff first and then to the mallets, or does the mallet start the the whole show? It depends. Like, it always changed for every audition. But for my audition, the mallets were always first. Like, the Bach mm. was always the first thing because they just wanted to. I mean, they just want to hear first and foremost: Are you a good musician? Yes. Right. You know? Yep. Can you play some music and not just play rhythms? You know. Right. That makes sense to me. Because, yeah, yeah, the other stuff is a lot more specific and a lot more, you know, as JT was saying, like, we don't know what we're listening for when we hear people doing their thumb on the cymbal and, you know, <laughs> yeah. that I know. scraping I know, exactly. something on, you know, I we know, don't know what that is. <laughs> but we do know if someone's missing notes on a xylophone. Yep. Sure. It's yeah. true, though. It's totally true. And phrasing and things like that. that yeah. those, those kind of things are obviously incredibly important yeah. for for an audition and i well the biggest thing that made me stand out i feel in my audition was just the fact that i like went overboard on musical stuff like phrasing as much yep. as i could as many different sounds as i could and i just went for it i just went for it and if i messed up and they didn't like it i really i didn't care but there was a couple excerpts where they were like okay can you back it off a little bit on that and try it flat and I, and I did it because they were like, okay, you could obviously do that. You executed that well. Right. Now can you just do it this way? Try to do it our way. And it showed, and you know, I practiced it every single way I possibly could have. So I was like, of course I could, you know, but you know, when, it, when it got down, I know I might be getting a little bit ahead of myself here, but no. when it, mm. when it got down into the super final round with the only round, the Dudamel was there, the music director, um, the screen was down at that point. And I mean, this is like pure, you know, new world, um, you know, summer festivals where there's no screen. And it's like, yep. this is where you, they get to see your performing art and how you make mu like music physically and on stage, how you look and how you're going to fit in with the group. And I practiced that so much in new world that um, I actually made a plan to myself that if I ever got to that stage, that I would do the entire round memorized. And that, I mean, that, that would include like, if they wow. were like, can you go back and do this here? Like at this rehearsal letter, I knew exactly where that was. I didn't even, I didn't even need, yeah. you know, music or anything. I mean, cause at that point it's like, I rep this stuff so much. I didn't need music, you know? Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's like a conductor up there, awesome. right? In front yeah. of an orchestra without yep. a stand. MTT does it all the time. You know, these yeah. are pieces that, you know, yeah, it, it, you don't need, you don't need it anymore. You know exactly where, where yeah. anyone is talking about. You've done it so many times. It's, it's ingrained in you. Exactly. And I felt like it, it was actually like a big show of like how confident I was on that stage. Yeah. You know, it's like when I got out there, you know, I told the orchestra manager, like, we can remove all of these music stands. Like you could just get all rid of, rid <laughs> of all awesome. of them. That's awesome. That, that <laughs> also seems to have like a little bit of a theatrical kind of flair to exactly. it. Exactly. You know, and it's yeah. like, du I mean, Dudamel sitting out there and I'm, the first thing I played was a snare drum solo. And, you know, all it is is just me and a snare drum. And it's so easy for percussions to just hide behind that music stand. And the, all they're seeing is like their top of your head and you're just like moving your hands. Mm -hmm. they, can, they can't even see your hands. But, I, you know, this was a great chance for me to kind of like show them like, I know this music and Dudamel loved it he loved yeah. how like <laughs> I'm sure how musical did. i was and i just absolutely went for it and it was like i could tell we were feeding it back and forth and yeah it was great and it was even more great because you know jim baber and joe Pereira, who are my former teachers at usc were out there and whenever they would give comments to me like can you try it this way and this way it's like this just feels like a lesson to right me. yeah yeah it was really nice it was super comfortable but. you want to have them have that interaction with you right because yeah. you know when you when even you, you're behind a screen they asked you could you do something else again you're like yeah i can here's let me show you that i can yeah. do it and i think that's so important for every instrument everywhere you know you know when they when they actually ask you to do something again it's a good sign it totally is and the, I think the other big thing that I, the big hurdle I had to uh, overcome was, you know, because this was my hometown orchestra, my teachers were out there and, you know, uh -huh. it's a lot of pressure, you know, it's a huge orchestra, a big hall. It's kind of this imposter syndrome type thing. Like, can I, can I actually yes. live up to the standard? Can I actually do that? And so, you know, I did a ton of that sports psychology stuff at New World. And um, one thing that really helped me um, with that is like, getting out of that mindset of being judged and just stepping on stage and kind of saying, kind of presenting my own masterclass for um, all these other instrumentalists. Because when it comes down to it, I mean, 
you know, they don't really know these excerpts as well as we do. So in a way, you right. you are kind of giving a masterclass to everyone. And it kind of bases everything with like a, a foundation of confidence of like, this is how I play it. This is how it goes. Here you go. I think it's a really great way to kind of go into it for any instrument because for percussion, it's difficult for a lot of other instruments to really know what, what it is that they're that they're listening for. When you have violin or you have flute or or you're one of these, you know, big everybody kind of thinks that they know what what it is, right? But if you have the mindset of going in there and being like, no, 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 this is the way it is. This is the way I'm presenting it. Take it or leave it. But this is the way I'm going to do it. And I think that's an amazing way to get rid of all the kind of, I don't know, insecurities. Yeah. It helped calm me down at least. And, you know, sure. in the in the end, it's like you have to be flexible. And if they want it different, you should be able to do it. But, you know, if it's really out, like, and they make you play in a way that doesn't groove with you and you know it's like you have to think about on your end too it's like yeah. if i'm gonna play in this type of orchestra and i'm gonna hate the way i play and have to change the way i play it's like do i want to play in this orchestra right. in the end it's like my i'm probably mentally not gonna you know last that long i'm gonna burn out and it's gonna you know not be fun we're gonna be super frustrated yeah and yeah yeah i mean yeah quality of life is also incredibly important yeah mental health with this you know yeah yeah for sure <laughs> Do you recommend that, like, let's say a, a young person who's a percussionist now, should they learn both? Did you have to play timpani in your audition? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I didn't have to play timpani in my L.A. Phil audition, but I mean, I totally recommend people do that, especially for percussion. I recommend all percussionists learn as many instruments as they can. Yeah. I'm talking drum set, Latin instruments, you know, well, sure. yeah. go for it, you know, because I guarantee even in my position, I am playing all of that, like yeah. steel drums. You know, things that you didn't even know existed. I'm playing like alufone or like all these whack, <laughs> wacky film instruments that, you know, you've never seen before. I have to now go practice and learn and play a new instrument for that week. You know, so it's yeah. like have fun learning all of it. That's the beauty of percussion. The ADD instrument. <laughs> exactly. I mean, had you taken an audition for assistant Tiffany slash section percussion before? I did. Had and you funny, done that? Yeah. funny enough, the last the last audition I took was in Detroit for an assistant principal timpani spot uh, okay. and percussion. Funny enough, that audition actually got me really into um, sports psychology because I actually prepped so hard for that audition. I got there and they cut me off right at the beginning of the audition. Oof, and yeah. at that point, I was pretty consistently making it to finals and I got so frustrated. So, I mean, that that audition was super huge for me. We talked a little bit before coming on about your, um, you had an interview with Rob Knopper and, and others you've, I mean, I, I've seen a couple of your videos, um, but you talk a lot about your mental preparation. So I kind of want to touch a little bit on that because I do think it's incredibly important. I, I, it's not just about playing the notes and it's not just about going through the excerpts, but it is about being mentally prepared for any sort of circumstance that comes your way, whether it be they come into your practice room and say, hey, are you ready to go now? And it's you know an hour earlier than you were anticipating or whatever the case may be. You lose your bag at the airport. I mean, there's so many things that can happen that can throw you off. So you talked a lot about the year that you were at New World, that you really focused a lot on this mental preparation. And it's about the routine. It's about preparing the starting of each excerpt. But talk a little bit about, about what, what it is that you did specifically to help you kind of get over that hump. Yeah. So I think a majority of my practice up to that point, which pretty much everyone else does, which is nothing but technical stuff. So, I mean, I would just sit there with a metronome and I would just rep things over and yeah. over and over again until I'm like, yeah, this seems like I can do this pretty well. Which, you which know? is good. All right. That's, yeah. that's one, you know, that's, that's a start to, to, to practicing. Exactly. You know, in my mind, I, after that Detroit audition, I started weighing a lot of things. So like what were constants, meaning what did I really have to think about as a variable, like in my playing or audition taking and what was a constant and I tried to make as many things as I could constant. So like technique for me, all that technical stuff, how my instruments sounded, what sticks I was using, all that stuff needed to be solid. I didn't need to think mm -hmm. about that at all. So things that variables for me and what I what I found a majority of the variables were were mental. And, you know, the more and more I dove down that rabbit hole, the more I found that I'd probably say 80% of the audition taking is mental. And I'm not saying that people should jump into this stuff immediately, um, like hard off the, you know, right from the beginning. It's good to do from the beginning, but I mean, if you don't have that technical foundation to just yeah. really, it's gonna be really hard to just get the most out of that. Sure. 
So, I mean, basically, I mean, it all started, funny enough, playing golf. <laughs> and we yes. Just talking about this a little bit. But, um, you know, I read um, this golf book called Golf is Not a Game of Perfect by Dr. Bob Rotella. And, you know, I tried to do my best to just correlate everything from golf into music and just see what professional athletes were doing. And, you know, there's so many books out there. There's, you know, Inner Game of Tennis. Inner Game of Tennis, yeah. Flow, you know, all of these different things. And it's just all basically saying the, the same stuff of just mental game is so huge and deep. Yeah. And, you know, a majority of the time when you mess up, it's not something physical or technical. A majority of the time, it's just a lapse in your mental game. Right. And I'm just trying to eliminate that as much as I can under the most crazy circumstances that you could possibly think of, as we were just saying. And one of the reasons I also started thinking about that is uh, I remember 2012, 13, I went to a Tanglewood audition in Boston and my friend Andres Pichardo, who is in the Detroit Symphony, was on his way to Symphony Hall in Boston with a friend to take this audition for Tanglewood. And on the way there, he was running a little late his friend's car on ice spins out in the oh. middle of the freeway. They all end up getting in like a little bit of a wreck. He's running uh -huh. super late, runs on the stage with all of his stuff and his winter gear on, plays <laughs> his audition and ends up getting in that year. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, it just showed me, it's like, okay, mentally that did not throw him. He was still ready to throw down even after that craziness, you know? Yeah. I mean, I hear a lot. I mean, you think about a lot of, uh, a lot of things that happen I mean, to me anyway, and I hear stories about people that, that go through all of a sudden this kind of weird thing that happens right beforehand, and then they go on and they do something, whatever it is, and they're just uber-focused because all this crazy shit happened to them yep. beforehand, and all of a sudden, everything that they know instinctually just kind of comes together at once. But you know, you not everybody's going to get in into a car wreck and, and and run on stage, right? That is crazy. But I mean, even little things like you know, in, in that Detroit audition, like there was a janitor on the in the rafters that <laughs> dropped a wrench in the middle of my round, and it's like my you know you can just get thrown, yeah. you know. Other things in my LA Phil audition. Well, I practiced for this at that point, but you know, I was ready to start my semifinals round. And, you know, some random, they have signs all over the backstage areas that say, do not enter. No one come uh, back yeah. here. And some guy like opens up the stage door and looks around and he's like, oh, this looks cool in here. And like, the, oh, orchestra, no. <laughs> the orchestra manager is like, oh, God. And like gets up and walks uh, over. He's like, I'm sorry. And it's like, it's fine. You know, <laughs> I'm totally ready was for that, this. Was that Jeff? It was Jeff. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Oh, Jeff is great. He is great. You're now, you're at the point where, you know, you're physically, you're, you know the excerpts, you know physically how these things should go. You have the feeling of them all. And so now you're focusing on on these mental things. How long does something like that take? I mean, because honestly, for somebody like me, I would think it takes a really long time. And it's just like, oh my God, do I do I have the time to do it? I mean, honestly, it didn't take that long. A majority of the time is just... Uh coming to terms with where you are and not expecting too much out of yourself. Yeah. Um, so for me, like I kind of had like a month and a half to prepare. So for the first like two weeks of that uh, month and a half, I was doing all just like working all the, the stuff up that I didn't know. But the big thing for me was kind of switching from like practicing in a practice room and then practicing execution. So again, I'm going to, I relate a ton of stuff back to golf. So it'd be like, you know, trying to win the master's tournament, but well, only going to the driving range, like never going out and never actually yeah. playing around a golf. And it's <laughs> like, analogy. you have to actually go play a golf course. You have to yeah. get yourself in that situation in order to prepare for crazy amounts of pressure. Right. So the entire month, that entire month I, I spent, you know, doing recorded rounds, you know, do, doing things like I'll, I'll do, I did, I do rounds with people and I, I'll say like, set an alarm on your phone randomly to try to throw me. Yeah. Okay. Go leave the room and come back. Whatever it is, like, I just want to be able to just mentally stay in my own zone and kind of do this. And another thing is I kind of made it a little bit more of a game for myself. So during that whole time, like, I made, um, like, a scoring system for myself for these recorded rounds. So, like, okay. I would do a ton of recorded rounds and I would listen back later that night 
and you know i would score myself so it's like if i had good rhythm good time you know yeah. hit all the notes and all so that you stuff. kept a log oh i kept it yeah a big log yeah. i basically you know didn't lose or gain a point but you know if i did all that and i you know had really good phrasing changed some i was like mixed it up with good different colors different sounds i gained a point um, okay. and if i oh. added something in for like something physical for like short notes or anything you know something a little bit more performing I gained two points or whatever it is, but I ended up always finding out that I actually graded myself harder than everyone else did. So it actually gave me a little bit more confidence. Yeah. Other things I would do is just do cold runs, you know, just like wake up in the morning or like four in the morning and try to do the excerpt you are the most self-conscious of and just see, like this is literally yeah. as bad as it's gonna get. Just see where you're at, you know, and be, <laughs> you just be okay with that. You know, it's only gonna get better from that point on, you know? Yeah. I mean, you talked a lot about, about playing golf. It is so true because, you know, you hear the athletes say it's not about the perspiration, it's about the, yeah. the preparation. I think you said you you didn't start playing golf until you were at New World, right? Yeah. Yep. Like, especially with, with your instrument, with percussion, it's a very physical activity. Mm -hmm. And so you've got to be physically active. You've got to be able to kind of, it's an endurance type of thing too. And in audition, especially... Uh, where you're, you know, you have the mental, you have to be there, but you also have to be there physically because, you know, if you're for some instruments and for some rounds, you're, you're doing multiple rounds in a day. Have you always been physically active? Do you feel that that is a, that is an advantage if you are more so, or do you feel like that it's either way? Another huge thing for me, um, being at new world is I found that having a routine, a balanced life, a balanced life routine, it was super crucial for success. Like I found like when I would do, would do auditions and I would just mainly focus on that audition and then, you know, kind of was in my own world and I just lived in a practice room for that whole time, I did terribly. But then when yeah. I when I went into an audition and I felt more balanced, like I went to the gym a bunch. I, I went out and hung out with friends, you know, I was more mentally, not so mentally focused on all these things that can go wrong, but I felt like more balanced as a human, you know, it, it actually, helped me out and put me in a better mental space. And again, yeah. physically, it's like, you know, we're carrying around drums all over. You know, I had two snare drums with me. Not every orchestra is going to provide you with like huge carts to put things on. So you're sitting there with two <laughs> snare drums walking around with them and right. all these things. And, you know, it could be physically taxing. You know, you're moving from practice rooms to stage and all these things. And yeah, it can get a lot. But I mean, I did a ton of mock auditions where I would like go in the percussion rooms at new world and just walk into like SunTrust. i would walk yeah. i would take things back in there and walk back just to kind of get the feeling of moving and moving things a bunch and yeah so in a way it is like physical preparation too did you do a lot of mock auditions when you were at new world oh so many yeah just unbelievable amounts how often though like, sickening I'm, I'm, amounts <laughs> <laughs> i was disgusted by the time yeah, I, left. I was but you get together a group of people and they listen to you and, and things like that you try to make it like a, a, a real audition experience i mean how much do you really take those comments to heart i mean are you looking at them like really are you looking breaking them down saying oh well this is that or, or are you taking them with a grain of salt because of what of what you're hearing well, funny enough, I did a majority of my mock auditions for other instrumentalists. And I actually, I loved yeah. all that stuff because they don't know our limitations. They don't know what we're expected to do. They like all percussionists are always looking for the traps, you know, we know what to listen for, but it's like, no one else knows, you know, a tuba player is going to ask for something completely different that they probably hear in their own playing. Yeah. And I, I love that. I love doing that. I love trying to be flexible with all that. Uh, so, I mean, I highly recommend it. I mean, again, for the LAFL audition, 13, 11, 13 people on a panel, maybe three people on that panel are going to be percussionists. Everyone else are going to be other instrumentalists. And right. those are where the votes are. Exactly. That's so true with every other instrument as well. You've got a mixed panel of people in generally within, you know, the, your kind of family of, of, of instrument, but they don't know exactly what it is if you're, you know, you know, a bassoonist or whatever. So no, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> Stop talking about bassoonists so much. I can't I, help it, man. It's ingrained. <laughs> <laughs> you guys have a fantastic bassoonist in LA. Oh my goodness. Oh, he is so good. We are so spoiled. <laughs> He's got to be one of the best in the world. He really um, is. He's we're from talking Miami. about. Yeah. Is he really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's also one of the nicest guys. So. Whitney Crockett, shout out, baby. Hey, yeah. Whitney. I was going to say, you know, I think one of the cool things now that we're, we've been through two seasons of this podcast and like as for as many unique things as we hear from each of the guests that like some of the recurring things I think are really 
really helpful for for listeners if they're listening to this over time and they hear that kind of the same thing like there's got to be something to it right where there's smoke there's fire the the balanced living is really important and not even just for musicians but just like if anything in the, in the last 18 months uh you know we've all kind of learned that there you have to have a balance in your life or you're, you'll go crazy absolutely i couldn't i mean yeah it, it's so refreshing to hear that to to hear that repeated and i think it, yeah. it was uh cynthia right jt that, yes. that spoke about yeah. this Cindy cynthia phelps, phelps yeah. from new york yeah. phil um another legend yeah, yeah another legend sure. yeah oh, man i think people need to perk up and like jot that down because I mean, you know, it just, you can, it just feels you can, so wrong, you know, because yeah. you're like, there's someone else out there practicing like hours right now. And I am going to go like, you know, hang out with my friends for a little yeah. bit or go to the gym for right. a little it, bit. And it's like such a, again, it's all mental, you know, it's like, I should be in there practicing. Or but whatever. Like, yeah. yeah. But it's like, it's, it's okay. It's okay to step. We are not going to get worse. I can't remember who it was exactly, but they're like, if you're in your, if you're practicing more than five hours a day, you're doing something wrong. Mm. You got to be careful about overdoing it eventually at some point like you we were talking about mental capacity there's only so much that you can have there that right and so if you if you're at your wits end with that and maybe you could do things physically but you're also probably not practicing in the best way and and probably practicing some wrong things right some things yeah. that are incorrect so you got to be careful about that and make sure that you're not you're not doing more damage than good on that there were like two huge things that i felt helped me out mentally with all this that was um with these recorded rounds or mocks that i would do i would always make sure to write down the good things that i liked about my playing first and foremost yeah. i know it's so easy when you're listening back to yourself to say that sucked that sucked that sucked <laughs> that sucked yeah no you yeah. know and it's like sitting there and actually taking credit for some things that you did really yeah. really well is yeah. hard to do but you know it's super helpful uh, but the only other thing is like thinking about this like a bodybuilding competition where every single muscle in your body needs to be sculpted perfectly. It's not that someone needs to be overly ripped right now. It's just that everything needs to be at the, a really good level. So like taking ownership for things that aren't up to par. If something is like you were super self-conscious of for percussionists, if that's like your accessory playing, if you're like, oh, my tambourine playing, even things like my triangle playing, whatever it is, an instrument that you are self-conscious of that isn't as good as everything else, take the time. Take the time. You don't yeah. need to practice that other stuff like snare drum and, you know, tackle that stuff head on. And it's super vulnerable feeling. Like it's it sucks because, you know, it's like listening to yourself on a microphone. Sure. It's, it sucks. But I guarantee you're going to get better so much faster, yeah. so much faster. Yeah, we all want to play what what we sound good at. Yeah, right? I know because we sound good at it. Yeah, and I know. You know, this like oh my god, look at me! Yeah. I sound so good. <laughs> so you, Matt, you get to assign the part. So like in your orchestra, do you have like the drum kit guy when like when there's a Bernstein thing, someone is definitely going to be playing set. Like everyone kind of has like a, a little niche that you've learned from yeah, working well, with them. Well, yeah, you know, I you know being on the job for this amount of time, I've kind of learned everyone's strengths and weaknesses. And part of my job is to make sure that the orchestra sounds its best. I'm not putting someone in a position like I'm not going to give one of my section mates like this insane conga solo if they don't know how to play congas, you know. Yeah. Um, but as far as drum set goes, funny enough, we're actually lucky enough to have a legend, Peter Erskine, as a drum set player mm. with us. And you know, he's like Steely Dan, Weather Report, you know, you name right. it. He's kind of He's kind of yes. done it all. So, you know, he's... Yeah, you're good. Yeah, you know, we you, are you already know. Yeah. yeah, I know. Yeah. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, but I totally have to take everyone's strengths and weaknesses into account. And, you know, but if they come up to me and they say, hey, I would like to play this, you know, I'm more than happy, more than happy to give them that. Yeah. So, you know, it all depends on, on, who's, on who's playing, what their strengths and weaknesses are. So, What's your strength if you had to name one specific instrument? I don't. I really don't even know, man. Uh, it's I would, all everything. I, I I would probably say like snare drum or mallets. Uh -huh. You know, honestly. So. Yeah. I would like to say timpani too, but that's not that's not my job right now. <laughs> <laughs> would you want to be a timpanist? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't mind. Yeah. I mean, it is really really fun. I'll tell you this: uh, it's way easier to set up those drums than all the other <laughs> stuff that we do. So. <laughs> so look, what's what's next for you guys? So we're starting back up here next week. Actually, we're uh, we're playing our first big show is uh, with Christina Aguilera. Actually, so wow. we're, we're doing like West Side Story and then like a Dan Zone number eight, I think, and then like a whole set with Christina Aguilera. 
but I think the first actual show is Peter and the Wolf with Viola Davis narrating. Oh my oh God, my that's God. very cool. Yeah, so we have some pretty good stuff coming up. This, and we're playing, you know, Princess Bride with the movie. We're doing Black Panther this year with the movie. Dude, yeah, I yeah. saw um, I saw Atlanta Symphony is doing that. Oh, yeah. That, I, mean, I thought make that's around. genius. It's, I know. That's such a great, I mean great movie but also great soundtrack mm -hmm. and awesome that 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 the orchestra is able to play that with the film that's so cool well funny enough so uh, our tip is joe Pereira actually is really good friends with the composer and uh he said that the composer actually went to africa to study all that music and so oh, wow. i mean it's like super authentic when it comes yes. to that and so I'm only assuming the stuff we're going to have to get is going to be super authentic. Yeah, so, for you guys, it's going to be huge. For the yeah. percussion section, it's going to be super cool. Yeah, probably going to have to hire some like you know specialists. <laughs> hey man, <laughs> give me a call. I, I'll, yeah. I'll bang. I'll okay. bang a drum any okay. day, brother. <laughs> okay, I'll hold you to that. Matt, don't call him. <laughs> don't call. <laughs> I've done eighteen twelve. I actually did in in New Orleans. Uh, I did the um, cannon. Yeah, and, oh, and did I you actually also, do the cannon? I actually, well, I did it on my computer. Oh, okay. I did oh, it on my computer. But I did the chimes, man. I was back there banging. Yes. Bah, bah, yeah. And it was, <laughs> it was a blast. It was a lot of fun. I, I, I know. I, there's a number of the parts that like the conductor's like, anyone from the audience want to come up and play this? Yeah. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. Hey, any asshole can yeah, do this. Yeah, come yeah, on. You, you, like, might as well be you. <laughs> and they come up on stage. I'm like, when I point it, you just start playing. <laughs> just right. do it, man. Just do it. <laughs> it's like, do you want to conduct Stars and Stripes? <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> That's another big one. That's great. Hey, you can make a lot of money from somebody. Call JT for that too. Yeah, no, no, we're good. I don't want to. <laughs> Any word on on auditions for uh, LA Phil coming up? Yeah, I think we have a violin audition. I think a a bass audition, maybe even a horn audition. I think I saw a horn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're having a few. Things are starting to pick up again. Oh, abs absolutely. That's great. That's great to hear. <laughs> what do you got going? You want to plug anything while you're on the show? I mean, no. I mean, that's basically it. It's all I've been sure, doing. You got I mean, a website, right? I don't actually. Yeah, me either. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I've been lazy. <laughs> I don't, yeah, nobody nobody wants to see uh, jtkane.com. <laughs> you have a podcast, dork. I, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What's that called oh, yeah. again? I don't know. <laughs> oh, man. Funny enough, I, I actually got a really funny story I just wanted to share real quick. Yeah, please. If that's okay. Um, it, it was so after uh, I played my super final round for this orchestra, LA Phil, um, I, I, w I was out, you know, listen or not listening, but waiting for the results and waiting for the other two to play. And I was sitting there talking to the personnel manager, uh, and the orchestra manager, and he went in to go get the other candidates or whatever. Yep. And, you know, I'm sitting there, you know, shooting the shit with, with the personnel manager and, you know, he comes out and he looks at me and he's like, Matt. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, do you have triangles with you? And oh. I was like, <laughs> triangles uh you know i could go get them you know and he's, and he's like no no time come on come on stage and i'm sitting in my i'm thinking to myself like uh does dudamel want to hear like an intense triangle round now is this how <laughs> is this how we're about to figure out the winner of this thing oh man so you know i'm walking out there you know and you know everyone you know they already clapped when we came out the the last round because they got to see you for the first time and i'm like yeah hey you know, hello everyone you know i walk out on stage and everyone's already out on stage i'm like okay so where are the triangles and you know dudamel comes up and he hugs me and he says welcome to the family and i was like oh Wait, so I don't have to play triangle? Was he just messing with you? <laughs> he was totally just messing with me. Oh, that's oh so God. awesome. <laughs> What's it like? What's it like working with Dudamel? Oh, it's incredible. He's like yeah. the nicest guy. I mean, he's great for percussion because he lets us just go to town a majority yeah. of the times, <laughs> which I'm sorry for everyone else. I'm sorry, but it's just a lot of fun sometimes. But I mean, he is like one of the most musically talented person I've ever seen. I've ever yeah. seen like his his ears for all this stuff, like his phrasing. And oh, he's just so good. And, you know, we talk about all this stuff all the time about sounds that he wants and I mean, he's just such a nice guy, you know? Yeah. You know, if he just had like a little bit of charisma that way. I know, you right? think maybe he's better hair, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I'm jealous with, you know, for with, with hair, so. <laughs> yeah, no shit, right? <laughs> like yeah. We're like blinding each other with our foreheads. Exactly. I need a little powder. <laughs> oh, man. Listen, Matt, this was amazing to talk to you. It was so much fun. Guys, thanks for having me, man. This is great. You're the last guest of the season. Um, but I, wa I definitely want to come back. What Matt and I, one of the things that we've been talking about is doing like having somebody do kind of like a, a an audition round, like oh. 
completely anonymous. They can send us a recording of it. And I think percussion would be phenomenally entertaining and just yeah. kind of so interesting and have like a, a panelist of, of, of percussionists and kind of just, you know, I mean, just kind of pick it apart and give, give some advice, not yes. knowing who that person is at all. Right. Right. Yeah. I think that it would also be educational to like, yes, for, uh, for other instrumentalists to hear what a percussion round might sound like. Yeah. yeah I and mean, like what we're listening for and stuff. Exactly. And, yeah. yeah. I would, I would learn. <laughs> Yeah, I would learn some things too. <laughs> All my percussion information is from Michael Linville at, at New World Symphony oh, because amazing. he's Miss yeah, that guy. yeah right yeah. like like seriously yeah. like a genius in in yeah. so many levels. Seriously. I'm going to be selfish and just say it's for me. Let's, let's just <laughs> and that's it. fine. You're allowed to be selfish, JT. All right, eh, every once in a while, right? Hey, it's your dang podcast, okay? <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. I, I really appreciate you taking the time out. I know you're you're busy. You got a lot. You know you're starting up your season again. Which congratulations on that. That's amazing that that LA Phil can can get back. Did you have to get vaccinated? Do you have to do all that kind of stuff? Oh yeah. Good. Good. Oh yeah. And also Hopefully. congrats to you all too. I mean, you all are getting back into it too. So we will. We will yeah. be. We'll be. We'll, New World Symphony will be back in in September and back on stage. And I'll 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 be uh, wrangling cats like I always do. <laughs> 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 oh how fun <laughs> it's so much fun i it's love so them much. all i love i love i love you all i just want to say <laughs> all right listen matt matt thank you for being on the show thank you all for listening uh to behind the screen you know matt and i i think we're gonna do we're gonna do one more for you guys right just you and i yeah we'll we'll wrap it up with one more um yeah. this is our last interview of the season but um you know We'll uh, kind of put a bow on it, and then we'll figure out what we're doing for season three. It's, it's going to be a bald bow, but it's going to be beautiful. <laughs> it's gonna, yeah, it's going to be a bow nonetheless. Yeah, exactly. 